Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the Easy Bake Oven. Like a boss. The best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's game time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Coon Show. 92.9 FM ESPN. Happy Friday out there, January 19, 2024, and welcome into the Gabe Coon Show. I am your host, former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman Gabe Coon on X at G underscore Coon 71 alongside me. Is the executive producer of the Gabe Coon Show. That would be Connor Dunning on X at C Dunning 929. Connor, what's the word, brother? I'm tired of the snow. Yeah, I am. And the entire MLGW uh, water system is tired of the snow as well. We're all under boiled water advisory. Hooray. No, not so much. I I don't want to get on my soapbox too much. But the padding on the back that MLGW has done for themselves so far this week. Of, oh, your power stayed on. Oh, but here's a boiled water advisory. Did you the, see the, the tweet? Did you see the tweet this uh, morning? Only 15% of you have to boil your water. Oh, psych! <laughs> oh, you gotta do yeah, it. Also, that 15%. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's just from airways all the way to Forest Hill, but yeah, it's only 15% of people. Look under your seat. There's a boiled water advisory. <laughs> yes. I, I. That's scary, man. Isn't it? Like, I, I'm sorry. I... Uh, this is three years in a row during the winter we've had to have a boiled water advisory? Is that not terrifying to anybody else? Am I the only one? That's scary. It's not not great in the infrastructure category. But I'm boiling my water, and I have a pack of water that I had to default last night. And I know you went to the store this morning. I did. Yeah. You came in with a smart water. Can't hide money. I'll You're think. drinking a smart water right now. I, this is a bottle I've been reusing, buddy. Listen. That's what I have. I got. It's a bottle. This I'm, was refilled yesterday. I have the same bottle as you I did. I have the Nestle Pure Life. If anything, you home. have the plus. Listen, you I have, have the smart the, water plus. Talk have, about money I, out here. I have the 24 pack the of water for like, how, what is it? What is it? $8, $10, whatever it is. That's what I have at home. Yeah. That's the water I've been You've drinking. got name on the show money. I've got <laughs> pushing the buttons money. All right? We ain't not in the same... We ain't the same. Dif- different tax brackets. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Now, we have three hours to talk on the way, courtesy of 92.9 FM ESPN and yours truly. Uh, we had two losses. <laughs> two losses last night. I'm going to start with the Grizzlies because I thought it was more encouraging. Um, yeah, they lost. 115-103. Uh, to 
Uh, by the end, it did not look good, but I thought it was more encouraging than the other one. The Tigers lost to USF. I, I, there's nothing encouraging about that. And then it, it got even worse when Penny stepped to the podium in his postgame presser and started talking about chemistry issues. Tell me if you've heard that before. We've heard about chemistry issues in the past, haven't we, Connor? It's like the boiled water advisor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here's your chemistry issues. But we will, uh, we will talk about both those things. As far as guests are concerned, we are loaded. We will have Parthu Bidyai here at the bottom of the hour to talk about that last night's debacle, 74-73, losing to South Florida. He's a Tiger basketball beat reporter for the Daily Memphian. Uh, we'll get into all of it with Jeff Calkins around 5 o'clock from the Daily Memphian as well and the Jeff Calkins show. And then 6 o'clock, Rob Fisher, um, before he heads off to uh, Chi-Town, uh, Grizzlies pre and post, and he does sideline for them for Bally Sports. He will join to talk about the Grizzlies and where they're headed and what they're going to do before the February 8th trade deadline. There's a lot of things, including a potential trade um, with the New York Knicks that are out there. They have interest in Quentin Grimes, who has some ties to the city. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Um, we'll do a trip around the NFL at 5.30. We'll talk about the divisional round. Um, 6.30, hop into the Blitz. And in the Blitz, I, I, sad news today, Connor. Really sad news. And, and really, the main story I want to talk about when we get to the Blitz is Arena, Arena Group. Um, who owns Sports Illustrated, gave notice that it intends to lay off just about everybody on the staff of Sports Illustrated, meaning that Sports Illustrated, as we've known it for just about 70 years, will cease to be the same institution. And that's just, it's a sad day for sports fans everywhere. Like, if you were on that cover, man, you were a star. You led when it came to the news of the day, the month, the year. And now it looks like that's all going to be a thing of the past. And it's it's very, very sad day in sports media to see Sports Illustrated potentially go away. Now, I guess there is some things that could happen. They could get bought out. Somebody could try to uh, reinvigorate what they're doing there, think into the future. But as of right now, Arena Group is going to lay off just about all of their staff members. And that is just depressing as I can uh, I can possibly Imagine. Now, Grizzlies last night, um, I thought relatively encouraging outside of the bench group. Grizzlies dropped to 15 and 26. They're playing the number one seed in the Western Conference. Uh, I said 115 103. I meant 118 103 at the Timberwolves last night. It was closer than that, though. I thought it was way closer than that. Um, It was a five point lead for the Grizzlies, actually, heading into the fourth. Ultimately, what it came down to, if I'm just going as simple as possible, bare bones. What happened last night? One, you're going to talk about injuries. That's just going to be that's the conversation. John Morant, Desmond Bain, everybody's out. Everybody's out. No front court pieces. Starters were great. Jaron was phenomenal. I, I was debating if I was watching Prime Wilt Chamberlain last night, him getting to the rim. That was unbelievable. He was 15 for 23. He only made three three-pointers. He still had 36, he three, and unreal. one. He was great getting to the rim. He posterized Rudy Gobert. Twice it was a Shack move. Twice he did that. He did that like throw get off of me thing. Twice oh, it was awesome. Twice he did that. So Jaron was a bright spot. Um, Luke Kennard five for seven from three. Bright spot. Vince Williams Jr. <laughs> I thought like it's it's kind of funny. He held a- Anthony Edwards to two points in the first half. Anthony Edwards ended with twenty eight. He did not do so well in the second half against Anthony Edwards because Anthony Edwards is one of the best in the game. But I thought it was like a relatively yeah night. For Vince Williams Jr., yet you look at his stat line, 10 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 
Three steals, one block on a meh night. I, I just I can't say enough about this guy and what he's brought to this team. It's an edge. It's a competitive fire. It's just consistent action. The activity is unmatched by anybody else on this team right now. Vince Williams Jr. is phenomenal. Now, where did it go wrong, you ask? The bench. It's horrible. And that shouldn't be a surprise. It should not be a surprise. They have Their bench is starting right now. You have Xavier Tillman out there, Vince Williams Jr., Luke Kennard, John Contra in the starting lineup. The only normal starter that we thought would be a starter going into this year that was starting last night was Jaron Jackson Jr. So their bench is starting. So on the bench, you have Gigi Jackson. You have David Roddy, Zaire Williams, Jacob Gilliard. And I thought, just visibly, what really struck me, Zaire Williams, he's had some bad games in a Grizzlies uniform. I'm Nothing to hide about that. Nothing to be ashamed about. I guess he's relatively young. He wasn't an overall pick, though. He was demonstrably bad last night. Turned the ball over, was lost on defense the whole night, did not know where to be, and everybody on that in that bench group I thought was brought down by Zaire Williams' play. They couldn't get into a rhythm when he was on the floor. And I know that I've said going into the back half of the season with all these injuries, there's no wrong answers of who you should throw out on the floor. But it became apparent about five minutes into Zaire Williams' game last night. That was a wrong answer. You could not have him on the floor last night. I saw somebody put out a tweet and it made me laugh. Um, They said, where did we go wrong last night? They were asking it. And they said, one, Zaire Williams. Two, Jenkins for playing Zaire Williams. Three, Jenkins for playing Gigi, Gilliard, Roddy, and Tillman at the same time as Zaire Williams. Four, Minnesota's hot shooting, mostly when Zaire was on the floor. And then five, climbing for drafting Zaire Williams at number 10. I'm not going to shut the book completely, but I am very, 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 very close to just saying, let bygones be bygones. He will never have it. Last night was dreadful. Absolutely, positively dreadful. The problem with last night, and yes, I I agree with what you just said. Um, Listen. We have been waiting for a long time for Zaire Williams to show any consistency on the basketball court. I'm kind of over-talking about the flashes he has shown because they are so few and far between. Last night, what the difference was to me, it was one of the first times I noticed him actively hurting the other players around him. G.G. Jackson. Well, specifically, sure. We can go ahead and do that conversation now because I think that they're tied together. Last night, Taylor Jenkins tied G.G. Jackson's minutes to Zaire Williams. I'm not sure why he did this. I don't necessarily agree with it. G.G. Jackson, his plus-minus last night looks a lot worse than I think his play actually was. Listen, like, G.G. was a 19-year-old playing the best. He was a 19-year-old playing the best defense in the NBA. Well, he his had, third he had real Anthony NBA. Edwards yeah, and Kyle was, Anderson listen, guarding him the whole game. He was Offensively, they messed with him. He, did, it was, he was playing the best defense in the NBA last night, one of the best teams in the NBA, and he struggled on the offensive end. 
That being said, a few of the shots he got were because he just got thrown the ball when there was like a guy right in front of him and because Zaire didn't know what to do with it. Defensively, I thought Gigi looked pretty good. He was crashing the boards. He had a co- he didn't get credited. I thought he had two blocks when I was watching the game last night. He didn't get credited with them, but he played well around the rim defensively. Him having to play with Zaire, though, because the reason the Grizzlies came out and I, and I tweeted it out last night, and they kind of punched Minnesota in the mouth. It was We thought it might happen yesterday when we were on the show t- previewing the game. It was 24 The Grizzlies came out playing street ball. They had a seven-footer running point, and the Timberwolves were like, what the hell is going on? Right. Like, what's going on right now? There's a seven-footer hitting threes and dunking on Rudy Gobert and dishing out assists. And then Vince Williams was running around doing his thing. Luke was hitting threes. John Concha John was Concha? playing with a little fire, Team high plus minus, fire, by the way, plus 14. Finesse, like an NBA street version of John Concha. So it was really fun. When Zaire came in, the flow completely stopped. Yep. He, he tried to run point guard and was doing these pick and rolls, and he had two pretty good passes to Tillman when he cut. But other than that, he was completely lost defensively. I don't think that it's a coincidence that the Timberwolves made their runs when Zaire Williams was in the game. You can go check. He played 12 minutes, and in all of those 12 minutes, the Grizzlies were getting blown out. Were, was all of the issues because of Zaire? No. Were most of them because of Zaire? Yes. 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 It, just go look. It was, to be yes. quite honest, Santi and Zaire did, got destroyed defensively last night. Mm-hmm. Nas Reed ate Santi Aldama's lunch yeah. yesterday. Now, part of that was because the guy he was switching with and was supposed to be help defense with him was Zaire Williams. Yep. The, it was just... It was one of the first times I watched a game where I was just like, oh, my God, he's the worst player on the court. And it wasn't necessarily close. We know what he is. It's time. This is, we've been waiting now for years for him to put together consistent minutes. And I, he's not going to magically turn into the player that you think he is. And when you have guys like Vince Williams Jr. Have, who have come to light, when you have guys like David Roddy who gave you good minutes last night, when you have guys like John Conchar who gave you good minutes last night, and a, and a prospect in Gigi Jackson who has real potential, there's just no reason to keep running him out there anymore. He's last in the alphabet. He should be last in the rotation. Yeah, um, there just comes a point. With any player. I know he was a number 10 overall pick and they traded up to go get him. There just comes a point with any player, even if he has the physical attributes and he's the jumbo wing that you were looking for. I just and he's don't got, know if he isn't has the physical stuff anymore. He's potentially got a great three ball and he could turn into a shot creator and he's got decent handles, supposedly, although I get terrified when he, he brings the ball up the He does not have decent handles. Um, like Stanley. But there just comes a point where you have to... Stop talking about any level of physical attributes he possesses, and you have to talk about and really analyze what he has been on the floor. And we've seen some high points, sure. But last night was the lowest of low points for just about anybody I've seen on this roster this year. And I don't think I'm being, I don't think I'm exaggerating. If you watch the game, you saw it. It was embarrassingly bad. I think the concerning, because a lot of people think that we're talking about offense here, which we are. What was really concerning for me last night was how completely lost he was on the defensive end of the basketball. Every single time, or not every single time, but most of the times the Timberwolves got open threes, Zaire was running to try to defend the guy because he got lost. Mm -hmm. The amount of times he turns his back is crazy. Mm -hmm. It's just, and it is... You know, I texted you this last night. I I know that there are no wrong answers right now. Winning every single night is probably not the priority for this team. But when you're in a game like this and you have a chance to win, there kind of needs to be a rule 
that yeah. like Jaron or Vince need to be on the floor at all times. Like that's kind of my rule. Like you need to have at least one of those guys out there because they can move the ball. They're a point of attack defender. They can make stuff happen. When you're giving the ball to Zaire and you're saying go make stuff happen on the offensive end on the floor, it's just it's not, not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And at some point, it becomes a negative for the guys around him because those are guys that are also fighting for the NBA lives right now. Yep. And you can see the frustration that they have. It's just go watch. Just if if you want to go look at it. Go look at the offense when it was that weird starting five. They were running. They were working. They were playing fast. When Zaire went into the game, it stopped in its tracks. They started running half-court offenses, and nobody was getting open shots anymore because they were crashing Zaire, and he would freeze. He would freeze at the free-throw line and kick it out. And they're just be standing, and, 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 and it's and it gets tiring. It was frustrating. It's, it gets tiring to just hear, "Oh well, you know, he just needs some confidence. <laughs> Get some damn confidence. Find some. Buy it off somebody. Figure it out." It just there just comes a point where I have to be real about what his future prospects with this team are, and I think they're nil. I don't think they're there. It's not going to happen. If it hasn't happened by now, I just don't think it'll happen. I think, And maybe for a young guy like him still, maybe a change of scenery could help him. Well, I don't know. Maybe. And that's kind of part of this conversation, too. Listen, Zaire, LaRavia, I'm not putting Roddy in this conversation. I no, still don't, I don't like that so. people try to group them all together. If you want to move Roddy, fine. Yeah, don't put fine. him in the conversation with LaRavia and Z, though. Those are the types of guys where, yes, just we can be honest about it. They got drafted by a team that needed them to be ready right now, and they are not. Yep. And they're not even close to being that. If they change scenery and they have some more time, maybe they sure. have a, a semblance of an NBA career. It's not going to happen here. You need them to be better than they are now. and much better than they are right now. Yes. And I do not believe that the rest of this season they are magically going to turn into those guys because we've been waiting now for Zaire for three years. LaRavia, it's been a year and a half, and he can't stay healthy. I've never seen somebody yep. with the injury luck that he has. It's crazy. Every time he gets a chance yeah. to show what he has, his eye gets hurt or something. It's crazy. <laughs> Ankle roll, yeah. yeah, the whole thing. So, yeah, it's unfortunately for them, they may have just gotten drafted into a situation where they were not able to prosper and grow properly. They needed more time that they just do not have. This is a team that has a core that is ready to win right now, and you cannot mess with that because it can disappear in a second. Yep. Seasons like this happen fast. And because two weeks before these, the year started, we were like, okay, 25 yeah, games a job. Yeah. Steven Adams gone. Yep. All of a sudden you realize, oh, wait, this is a bigger problem than it is. Yep. Bigger problem than it is. Then Marcus Mark gets hurt. Luke yep. Kennard gets hurt. Jaw out for the year. And you're like, whoa, what's happening all of a sudden? It happens quickly. Lost seasons come fast. You cannot waste time with roster spots for guys that just don't have it, especially when you have somebody sitting behind him that might have it eventually in Gigi and definitely and has it And somebody who Vince. just lapped him, just has lapped Zaire in what, 30-some-odd games? And Vince Williams Jr. lapped him. Yeah, not, it's even not even close. close. Can't even see it's him. not even close. So I, 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 that's enough on that. I don't want to keep spreading negativity about Zaire, but last night was about as bad as I've it's, ever seen. I don't seen. even think it's negativity. It's just the truth. Yes. Like, this is a kid. We were rooting for him, man. Like, we've, you and I have specifically, we've held off on trying to. It's just last night was, it's a massive red flag. Everybody watching the game saw the same thing. It was, the team looked completely different when he was off the floor versus on the floor. The stats back it up. Mm-hmm. Just go look at the on-off stats with him. With every single player. With every single player, it's in the negative. And you can't just say, well, he plays well with Ja. Everybody plays well with Ja. <laughs> he's Ja Morant. 
But as you, long as you are a timely you cutter, you can't be a part of the rotation the ball, if okay. all you can do is catch lobs. Yeah, that's, that's just it, it. Can't be that. You've got to show up at least defensively, and he's not even doing that. Now, uh, sidebar, and I brought this up on uh, on X last night. Um, Nas Reed, how was his his heater at the end of the first Hooper. quarter was ridiculous, crazy. Why was he an undrafted player way back when? He was overweight. I know he's got the big. I know he's got the big contract, and he's he's you know. Definitely made a name for himself by now. He'd be a starter anywhere. But else. I'm, I'm, I'm still confused. It has to be some type of politics that went into that NBA draft cycle because he was a five star. He was young. He's got the athleticism. He's got the size. He's a stretch big. He can rebound. He's physical. I, I don't know how this is the type of guy that ever went undrafted, but the Timberwolves definitely lucked out. Now, on to the Tigers. They lost last night to South Florida in their 10 game win streak. Was snapped. They've been flirting with it for a while, though. They've been playing with fire. They got burned last night. 74-73. South Florida gets over top. That final sequence there with six seconds to go. South Florida's inbounding uh, from the sideline on their half of the court. Nick Jordan sort of gets caught up trying to uh, defend the inbounds pass. Kayshawn Pryor, who was everywhere, by the way, in that second half. Just absolutely everywhere. Um, He ends up getting the ball wide open. Going straight down the lane, he gets fouled. He makes one free throw. Jafon Quinterly's not able to make the three to go win the game as he did earlier in conference play. And the Tigers drop their first in conference. They drop to four and one in conference. It was the largest blown lead by an AP top 10 team in 14 years. They were up by 20 in that second half. They were up by 15 at the half. And they completely let it go against a bad, not very good, South Florida team. It's a quad three loss. It's their first loss in the quad two, quad three, or quad four. And um, it's concerning. It's concerning because, one, the margin for error going forward in conference is razor thin now. You have a game against Tulane, which was one I thought that they could, they could slip up on, right? And you have to go win that if you want to keep any semblance of being in the AP poll, if you want your metrics to look good, if you want to stay in that five sort of seed range. Because Lenardi, Joe Lenardi from ESPN, put out his bracketology today. He still has the Tigers as a five seed in Spokane. Now, I think, you know, regardless, my expectations coming into the year was at least just get out of the 8-9 game so you don't... Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I have to play a one seed in the second round. If you're a seven seed, if you're a six seed, that is totally fine. Five seed, I think, is an absolute plus. But you cannot afford to lose a bunch more, a bunch of different games like this in conference if you want to keep that five seed alive. Now, was this a wake up call? That's a that's an interesting question. Um, 
I thought the previous six games, <laughs> you know, starting against Vanderbilt after the, the top 25, the three top 25 wins they had in a row, um, I thought that six-game stretch should have been a wake-up call. And then Penny Hardaway, this is where the real concern comes in. Outside of just losing this game, because, I mean, teams lose like this all the time against unranked opponents in conference. It just happens sometimes in college basketball. You can drop one, but you don't want them to string together. But Penny Hardaway stepped up to the podium last night, and he was asked, is this going to be a wake-up call? And he says, I don't know. I have no idea if it's going to be a wake-up call. And the reason he's saying that is something that I mentioned last week. It feels like the honeymoon phase of team chemistry is over with. He's scared about team chemistry. He's concerned about team chemistry. And this was always the risk you were going to run. This was always the risk you were going to run, bringing in a bunch of different guys that may have been, you know, the top three options at their particular spot. Bringing in a guy 11 games into the season, and Naquan Tomlin, who, you know, didn't get to play ball, and was hungry to get on the court. You have a guy in Malcolm Dandridge who's a fifth-year guy who wants his playing time in his final year of college basketball. You always run this risk when you bring guys from all around the country that are not necessarily familiar with the program and what you run. But the quotes that I want to really point out here, um, early at the podium, Penny said, "We, we just have so many things going on that we're dealing with. As we're moving forward, I hope by March it's all gone. Okay, it is what it is. But the more concerning quote, I think, was when he was asked about the closing lineup. Malcolm Dandridge, if you were following, did not play the last nine minutes of the game. Naquan Tomlin was in. And his response to the question about the closing lineup was, quote, with all the inner things happening on the team, there's so much going on that you can't play certain groups together. And now you got to go with a group out there that might not be as cohesive and you have a, commi- a miscommunication problem. If I'm reading through that, it feels like there is personality clashes, there is chemistry class- clashes, there is guys that think they should be in there over certain guys, uh, especially in closing lineups. That is something that we're going to have to monitor the rest of the year. I, I quite frankly, you know, reading through everything through the offseason, how this team came together, I'm almost surprised it took this long. But at this point in conference play, when you have inferior opponents that you're going to get docked for if you play close or lose to them, this is a bad time to have these things pop up. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, listen, the team on the court. Like we've already talked about, the world is not ending. The sky is not falling. It was a terrible loss. Terrible loss. You kind of had a mulligan, though. All right, this was your mulligan. You lost it. You've been playing with fire for the last three weeks, and it finally burned you. It was a terrible loss, no doubt about it. The post-game comments are more concerning than than the play. 100%. What you need to talk about on the court, though, and to be quite honest, some of the post-game comments, I think, I do think there was some strategy behind it to where we're not talking about what happened on the court as much. They don't know how to, what to do with the zone. Yep. It's their kryptonite. And at some point, when teams keep running... It was a running, 1-3-1 last night. When teams keep running zone at you and you keep freezing, that becomes a, hey, figure it out in practice conversation yep. that we're not having, that we should be having. Because eight assists... That's crazy. That's nuts. That's nuts. Eight assists. That's hero ball. That hero is ball. The definition of hero. Now ball. we may know why some of that hero ball is happening, and that ties back into the post game comments. Yep. When when Mills went out, 
when Caleb Mills went out, yes, you lost your best perimeter defender. You lost somebody who was going to give you 10 to 12 a night. But you lost a leader. You, 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 you lost somebody that was showing through example seems like that there was you a must shift make sacrifices. Mindset. There was a shift there in mindset. There has been. The team looks different. They're interacting differently. Their comments have been different ever since that Caleb Mills thing happened. I think he was much more important to this team than maybe any of us may have understood. It is crazy that Malcolm Dandridge didn't play in the last nine minutes last night, especially when you were losing the rebounding battle. And all of us were like, you need rebounds? Put in your best rebounder, Malcolm Dandridge. He played 15 minutes and he had seven rebounds. Yep. Naquan Tomlin played 31 and he had seven. I don't care about personalities when you're trying to win basketball games. You have got to be able to play your best players and the team and the lineups that make the most sense when they are needed. You've got to figure that out. I think that this Memphis Tigers team is still one of the most talented teams. It's still the most talented team Penny's ever had. Still think that they can make some noise. But they have issues that they need to figure out right and, now. It's January. Figure and, them and out Connor, now so you don't have to figure them out in March. They're still 15-3. and three. Yes. They're, yeah. they're still, there's still a lot of things to be happy about. Yeah. They're, they're still a number five seed in a lot of bracketologies, uh, most notably Joe Lenardi's. Right. The most important one. They're, they're still in a good spot to go win the AAC regular season title. But there were lights blinking. But you have to make sure that you nip these things in the bud immediately. I did think also the 11-man rotation last night. I know Jonathan Pierre played, what, one minute. Carl Scherenfong got in for seven. Pretty good. But, uh, yeah, Carl was great last night. But, like, 11 guys in that particular game I thought was a little bit strange when you didn't have overwhelming foul issues. You didn't have overwhelming foul issues. And, like, Malcolm Dandridge not playing the last nine minutes and he wasn't really in foul trouble either. Yeah, two fouls. That's, that's strange. It's just very strange. I think that, you know, for last night's game, you needed to, if you were Penny, you need to play Jalen Young um, a lot more. Uh, and you need to make sure that, you're limiting Ashton and Jaden's minutes to whatever it sort of looks like. I don't, I don't know exactly what it looks like, but I thought they played a little bit too much last night. That was a concern. Um, but <laughs> this team has everything in front of them still. There's nothing to uh, freak out about at this particular moment besides the postgame comments and, and, and where we're at with this, this team and how they're meshing, how they're coming together, the synergy, because that could derail this team quicker than, than – just a loss against South. Yeah, they have, like you said, there's still a lot of things to be very pleased about with this Memphis Tigers team. It's still been a very, very good season, but these concerns are valid, and it will, and you do not have any margin for error anymore. Losing to a team like USF at home takes away your margin of error. You can make up that. You beat FAU once, boom, probably makes up for the, for the loss. You take care of business this weekend, that's certainly going to help, but you have locker room issues, it seems. And, in my opinion, you have got to figure out how to play a zone because teams and, are going to run it out at you every game now. What, what's so if they know how to play a zone defensively, they're going to do it against you because it has frozen you every time. Right, and I think the perimeter defense is another thing yeah. they need to And get, the out-of-bounds play defense. Um, yes, that, that is very true. The, final, the, the, the winning play for South Florida was an out-of-bounds play. It happened play in the UTSA open. game, too. And here's the other thing. And, and I'll leave it here after this, um, and then we'll get to Parth. But you talk about emotional lulls from this team. And I, and I know that in conference, especially last night, at home with nobody coming to the stadium or coming to the arena, going to FedEx Forum because the, the school said, hey, stay at home, watch it on TV. You have to bring your own energy. I've always talked about that. But it seems like there's these emotional lulls that this team goes through. And largely up until last night – 
I sort of put it on the players, right? The players have to have the intensity. They have to bring it every night. They have to be locked in on the game plan. I thought in that second half, after they were up by 15, decent first half, pretty good first half. I thought in that second half, I thought Penny Hardaway had an emotional lull, quite frankly. Took the foot off the gas. There was not as much pressure on the ball. They were not sharing the ball, coaching up how to share the ball against the 1-3-1 zone. He wasn't, you know, uh, trying to stop the runs that South Florida was going on. I thought that Penny even had a little bit of an emotional low last night in that second half. Everybody seemed to take their foot off the gas, let go of the rope, however you want to term it. And that was that was eye-opening for me. That was eye-opening for me. But they have to find a way to every single night in conference play, play with the same intensity you did in that, that stretch of three top 25 wins. Play with the same intensity you did in the Bahamas outside of the Villanova game. Play with that same intensity. You have to find it. No matter who's in the crowd, if there's a 1,000, 10,000, Pack crowd, one person in the crowd, student section, roaring versus student section, being small, minute, you have to find the energy. You have to find the intensity. That goes coaching staff, that's players. I have confidence they can figure it out, but we'll see coming up on Sunday because I think that's a tough matchup. Ron Hunter has done really well against Penny Hardaway in the past. They're going to the regular season. Now, I know Penny came back at him in the, uh, in the American Athletic Conference tourney and Absolutely smacked him around, and maybe he learned something from that game. But Ron Hunter has had Penny's number in the past. Yep. So this is a big matchup coming up on Sunday that we all need to keep close eyes on. Yeah. Tigers are a good team. Penny's a good coach. Adjust. Figure it out in the locker room. Move on. Yep. Now, uh, we need to adjust, and uh, we're going to talk with somebody. Talk with somebody who knows a lot about this Memphis basketball program. That would be Parth Upadhyay. He's the uh, Memphis basketball beat reporter for the Daily Memphian, and uh, he's next. Parth Upadhyay is the Memphis Tigers basketball reporter for the Daily Memphian. He is on X at P Upadhyay underscore Parth. How's it going, man? It's going all right. I just haven't been able to shower because <laughs> water pressure here in downtown Memphis is, uh, is non-existent. Yeah. So there is that, but uh, otherwise, um, can't complain. Right, is, this, is this your first boiled water advisory, by the way? It is. It is. I think Memphis had one last year, yeah. um, like around the holidays, but I went home for Christmas for that week. So I kind of dodged that mess. But, man, um, yeah, it, it, it is something. Yeah, it's uh, it's very concerning every year when we have a, <laughs> a, a boiled water advisory when it gets cold. But that's neither here Wait, this is this an annual thing? Oh, God, like yeah, a, oh, annual thing, tradition. yes. Really 100%. If there is snow or there is ice on the ground... You, you can count on a boiled oh, water advisory, God. which is scary when you think about what, what the future may hold. But I, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I, we have other negative things to talk about, <laughs> exactly. and it has to do with the Tigers losing to South Florida last night, 74-73. They had an inbounds play on the sideline, South Florida, with about six seconds to go. Uh, looked like Nick Jordan uh, covered the inbounder, um, and there was a wide open lane. They ended up uh, fouling. Uh, South Florida makes one of two. And then Javon Quinterly misses the game-winning, potential game-winning three. Uh, before we get into the big concerns, I just want to talk resume as a whole, right? Tigers 15-3. and three. They're still in the AP poll. If they beat Tulane coming up on Sunday, they will stay in the AP poll. 
Uh, their net's around 50. Those type of metrics, Ken Palm and net, aren't that great. Um, but what does this loss mean to their resume at large? Because I saw Joe Lenardi still, when he put out his uh, bracketology for ESPN, they're still a five seed. He still has them as a five seed in Spokane. What does this loss mean to their resume, though, at large? Yeah, they are still a five in Lenardi's uh, bracketology. I think Jerry Palm's uh, bracketology drops later today or tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. But, look, they've done enough, um, or they had done enough prior to last night to, to kind of be in that 3-4 range, right, which is where we saw them in, in most projections. But I think now that they've they've got this hit on their resume, they got a quad three loss, um, whereas before they were a perfect eight and no in you know quadrants three and four. Um, but this is the type of loss that drops you a seed line, and I think that's exactly what we're seeing. We're seeing them go from from four to five. I just saw, um, I think it was Fox Sports's Mike DeCourcy's bracketology, um, where he also has Memphis as a five. So I think you know it kind of uh, eliminates room for error, and there was already you know very very thin margin for that to begin with. Um, if they lose to somebody else, man, that's not named FAU, I think you're looking at, you know, a, a six-ish, right, type neighborhood. Um, and at that point, you're kind of inching closer to that, you know, that dreaded 8-9. I'm not saying they'll get there. In fact, I don't, I, you know, I don't think they will. But, um, you know, with aspirations this season of being in that top four range, um, you've got to kind of definitely take care of business the rest of the way. Yeah, and the margin for error is just a lot more thin now. I mean, there's no question about exactly. it. You can't afford uh-huh. to lose two, three more games in conference if you want to stay at that sort of top five seed line. Um, but let's get to the real issues from last night. Like, I, I on, on the court, they did not play well in the second half. I, I, they were up by 15. Uh, they got up by 20 at one point. They let that all go, let the rope go, and then here comes USF coming back to win. But then after the game, Penny... At the podium, yeah, that was oh my gosh, that was very concerning. And I, I put it this way: I talked to you on the phone last night when we were setting this up. It feels like the honeymoon phase is over when it comes to team chemistry. Um, Penny said, "We just have so many things going on that we're dealing with as we're moving forward. I hope by March it's all gone." And then he said on the closing lineup, which Malcolm Dandridge, who's played really well all year, he was not a part of. He didn't play for the last, what, nine minutes of that game. He said, with all the inner things happening on the team, there's so much going on that you can't play certain groups together. And now you got to go with a group out there that might not be as cohesive, and you may have a miscommunication problem. It really sounds like there's some serious chemistry issues afoot here and maybe some personality clashes. And I think that, um, you know, even more so than just losing a quad three game last night, that's more concerning going forward. No, a thousand percent. Like, obviously, the action of the court was, was alarming in itself, right? Getting a 20-point lead at home against the South Florida team that's mediocre at best. They are not, you know, in the top 100 in any um, any ranking. Ken Palm, the net, Bartorbic, whatever you want to use, they're, they're not, you know, in that general area, um, or even close, rather. So that was already concerning to do that at home. But then you got Penny saying, you know, pretty much airing out dirty laundry. You know, kind of getting flashbacks to, what, 2021, right, is when he did that last, kind of uh, called guys out. And, of course, that was more blatant, you know. Um, it was kind of more direct, and you kind of knew he was talking about at that point, whereas this is more mysterious. But um, for him to say the things he said in terms of chemistry issues, locker room issues, and then to top it all off before he leaves the podium to say, hey, I don't know if this is even a wake-up call. <laughs> right. you, got a, you got a game against Tulane, you know, in 48 hours here, so – if this is not the wake-up call, I don't know what will be. Because, um, look, last night wasn't, you know, obviously it was the, the worst result they've had. 
you know, that's common sense. You know, Ole Miss um, and Villanova don't even come close to um, being as detrimental as the loss to USF is, but it's not a one-off. They, they've played poorly, you know, yep. for, for many of these games um, in conference play. They've, they've played with fire, uh, almost lost to UTSA before that. You know, if you're even talking about before conference play, they almost lost to Vanderbilt. You know, these are not good teams. So this could have happened, uh, you know, weeks ago. Um, it's happened now, and, and now it's a hit. Um, but they've, they've got to figure out how to rectify this. And I get what you're saying when you said the, you know, the honeymoon phase is now over. Um, I think that's how you phrased it a couple minutes yep. ago, but, um, look, I don't, I don't think this is something that happened yesterday. I don't think it's something that happened this week. Even, you know, if you're reading between the lines, even going back to the VCU game where they almost lost, uh, in regulation, uh, to VCU, um, also not a fantastic team, but a decent team, but, but not a world beater by any stretch of the imagination, you know, Caleb Mills and Javon Quinterly said after that game, hey, we got to get on the same page. That's our issue. We're, you know, we're not together. We're not as one. Uh, we got too many guys looking for their own, you know, trying to, um, trying to get their own stats and trying to, trying to eat. And we're not doing this collectively. So I think, uh, just looking back at that, you can kind of see the, um, the breadcrumbs, so to speak, of, of something like this happening in terms of, it all coming to the forefront. How much do they miss Caleb Mills? And, and yes, they miss him on the per, for his perimeter defense. They miss him as a secondary ball handler. They miss his scoring off the bench. But how much do they miss that leadership, that sacrifice? That, that like he seemed to be the guy, especially with that second group that rallied the troops and uh, made sure they didn't have these type of chemistry issues. So how much do you think they miss him? I think they miss him a ton. You know, obviously, like you said, you know, the stuff that's not on the court is hard to, you know, quantify. I mean, you can't, it's impossible to quantify, but um, just to have his voice, have his presence, you know, how many times has Penny said, or had Penny said before uh, Mills' injury that, you know, that is one of their leaders, along with Javon Quinterly. That's one of their guys who um, has been the most selfless, has voluntarily taken on a bench role, even though he's more than capable, as we know, talent-wise, of being a starter, if not a focal point of a team like Memphis. Um, you know, he led by example, and he did it time and time again. And that's just off the court stuff, right? Yep. Then you're talking about the perimeter defense, um, an area where they've struggled all season and, you know, an area that's gotten even worse after Mills' injury. So uh, they miss him in, in multiple facets, and I think it's now uh, kind of more apparent than, than ever. You know, because when you're winning, it's like, you know, uh, fans, media, and, and especially, obviously, you know, in terms of post-game remarks from Penny and players, like, it all kind of gets glossed over, right, so to speak. Like, there are issues, but you can say, okay, um, you know, we're still in good shape. You know, we're, if you're Memphis, you're saying, you're we're still winning. We haven't taken a, a huge hit by any stretch of the imagination to our resume. These things can be worked on. You know, there's talent. You can kind of frame it in that way, but, you know, uh, losses kind of uh, expose a lot, expose a lot that's been going on kind of um, – behind the curtain there, and I think that's exactly what we saw last night. Now, when I talk to a lot of Tiger fans, it always cracks me up because they'll say, oh, it feels like every team that we play has a career night from the three-point line. And I, I guess there's been some uh, some some semblance of that. Like against UTSA, they just knocked down a bunch of shots, even if there was a hand in their face. There were some times where the, the Tigers weren't closing out. I thought they played almost hero ball on the defensive end when – um, UTSA would get a defensive rebound. They'd stick on that end of the floor and not get back, and that led to a lot of transition open threes. Yep. But what are you seeing? Like, what are you seeing outside of that? Like, what are the issues with them covering the three-point line, why they've been so bad at, 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 at covering the three-point line? 
Yeah, I don't mean to oversimplify it, but a lot of it's just overhelping. Like, how many times have we seen that, right? Like, guys kind of overreacting. The ball gets swung around the perimeter, and, um, you know, there's there's the guy who's guarding that man, obviously on that man, but another defender comes, um, you know, way out of the way to, to help, to overhelp, and a guy's open in the corner. Here, a guy's open on the right wing, left wing, whatever it may be. Um, but it's weird, though, right? Because you saw that kind of be rectified in the first half yesterday. Um, you didn't see that that issue um, at least being, you know, as present. I think they held USF to, I want to say, three or four three-pointers in that first half. Um, so you, you thought that they had turned a corner. You thought that there was momentum. Obviously, the Wichita State game was, you know, more of an offensive explosion, obviously, than anything else uh, that they did defensively. But, you know, you, you figured that they used that, that forward momentum to, to kind of – you know, be fully engaged, to be present, you know, throughout a 40-minute game. But, you know, that obviously, you know, was not the case in the second half. Yeah, and they don't seem also, on top of the, the perimeter defense, they don't seem to be sharing the ball that well game to game. I, I thought in the second half against Wichita State they did a good job, but whenever they see a zone, it just gets stagnant as hell. And it's, hey, David, go try to get a bucket. If you can't, we're just going to have to try to play defense, and they have not been doing that at a high level. They seem to be really struggling sharing the ball, and that is leading to a lot of um, sort of inefficient uh, offensive play when they face a zone. No, for sure. And I think that's like that's been the most baffling thing to me, or not the most. There's been several baffling things. That's been one of the most baffling things in terms of um, you know, the offensive production of this team, like why are they so kind of lost, you know, against any type of zone? I think USF ran a one, three, one yesterday. Um, and Memphis yep. had, had no answer and people want to say, okay, this team's not a great three point shooting team. Yeah. They haven't been a consistent three point shooting team, but individually there are shooters, right? Like Jaquan Walton was a 40% shooter, three point shooter, um, at Wichita state last season, Javon Quinterly, you know, has, um, you know, enough of a body of work for us to know that he is more than capable of hitting three-pointers, has done it as of late. Uh, David Jones, somebody who wasn't a good three-point shooter coming in, uh, you know, shot close to 40% for most of the season until a few games ago. So, like, they've got the they've got the personnel. So I don't think it's a personnel issue. I think it's a scheme issue um, in terms of not having uh, maybe an offense that can, you know, be efficient against the against his own defense. Not maybe for sure. Not having that. <laughs> what did, What did you think about Penny playing eleven guys last night? And I know Jonathan Pierre got one minute or whatever, and Carl Sharon Font got seven. Um, and yep. I thought Carl yep. was actually solid when he was in the game. Um, but what 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 yeah, you what do you think about the eleven man rotation last night? Yeah, I don't know. It's tough to say because at times that has been a problem in terms of uh, kind of this. I don't know, carousel of guys, every media timeout, somebody new's coming in. Uh, at times, just a new five coming in, right? Like six minutes into the game, seven minutes into a game. But yesterday, like, that, that lineup that, you know, I even tweeted something out that I thought it was so strange when, um, you know, it was both Hardaways, it was Jalen Young, I want to say it was uh, Naquan Tomlin and Carl Sharonfont, I think, yeah. were the five that was in at, at one point. Um, kind of midway through the first half, and, you know, it was an odd lineup that I, you know, I didn't think would work, but you know, that five pushed the lead out. Right. And then the, mm-hmm. then the first stringers kind of got back in and maintained it. So I don't think that was the issue last night. There's, you know, I don't even think that cracks the top five, <laughs> you know, in terms of being something that you can point to as uh, you know, the cause for last night's debacle. Yeah. Now when it, when it comes to just big picture, how, what, what's your, what's your concern level about this team going forward after this loss? Like I, I, I know that 
we've been talking about it potentially being a wake up call, but I thought the the five games previous should have probably been a uh, a wake up exactly. call outside of that Wichita State game. So I think that's where my concern lies. Yeah, no doubt. And you know, like we said earlier, it's it's not just kind of what happened, but it's the reaction afterward, right? It's like what Penny said, and you know, it's the fact that Penny said this might not be a wake up call. I asked the head coach saying that. Um, and maybe that's strategic, you know, maybe it's pointed in terms of, okay, if I say this publicly, if, you know, if, if enough heat gets on these guys in terms of social media and in terms of, you know, a sports talk radio or whatever it may be, uh, maybe that'll rectify the problem. Maybe that'll light a fire under them. And that very well could be the case. Like, you know, it's almost on cue, right? Like there was, you know, a uh, time last year, I believe in January where you said similar things, you know, team chemistry is not great. Uh, guys aren't getting along. You said it last year. You said it obviously in 2021. Um, and each time <laughs> this stretch, this period of, uh, I don't know if you want to call it uh, tumultuous energy in the locker room right. or, or a rift or whatever you want to say, however you want to characterize it, there's been a run afterward, right? Like we saw it in that 2021-22 season where they turned it around and, you know, um, almost beat Gonzaga in the NCAA tournament in the second round. We saw it last year where they were playing like a top 20 team by every metric in the last you know, four or five weeks of the season, beat number one Houston. And, you know, if a couple things go right against Florida Atlantic, who knows what we're talking about in terms of last season. Um, so it's hard to doubt that Penny and the Tigers are going to turn this thing around. But, you know, when, when the head coach is making those kind of remarks, it's, it's definitely concerning in the moment, especially when you look at last night not being a one-off. And, you know, like you said, it being a, a trend as of, I don't know, the past four or five weeks, really, even before mm-hmm. conference play. Yep. Now, last thing for Parthupadhyay, the Memphis basketball beat reporter for the Daily Memphian. I know it's not a good time to bring this up, but hey, um, there's always something. Holler at me about Jordan Brown. <laughs> Holler at me about what you're hearing. Man, man, it is, it is something, and it seems like from everything that's kind of been publicly stated, and um, especially with what Penny said last night, that that door is definitely not shut. You know, I asked Penny about it, and he said, you know, Jordan Brown is is still out right now. Like, what, what does that out, mean, man? Like, out, yeah, yeah. out with what? Like, first, he's sick with this mysterious illness, you know, for, for what, weeks, days, whatever. I'm hoping he's still he, not sick because that would be a bad sickness. That would, uh, that would, uh, that's, that's health issues. Right. All we can do is pray, man. Pray for JB. But, dude, I don't, I don't know. It, it definitely seems like, you know, from, from somebody, you know, that I had spoken to yesterday before the game that, um, at least, you know, upon, the idea of first being floated by the team, the players uh, of Jordan Brown, you know, again, being an active member of that roster that, um, you know, players were not really thrilled about it. And it it wasn't just one or two guys that weren't (laughs) thrilled. It was, uh, you know, them as a collective not being thrilled about it. Uh, But the fact that Penny and the staff have not shut that door, have not decisively said, Hey, you know, we are moving on from Jordan Brown. He is no longer a member of this basketball program. Uh, I think, you know, if we're going to speculate, that kind of shows you that Penny or somebody on the staff or multiple people on that staff believe that Jordan Brown can be an asset, you know, at least in certain situations. And I think, you know, there is something to that, right? Like there's something to the value of having a player of his caliber. If he's willing to take a backseat, if he's willing to take a, you know, a bench or a reserve role, 
um, available. Another 6'11 guy can never hurt. <laughs> right. No no question, because I think this front court is thin. Like, if, if there's one injury, it'll be a very thin front court. There's no question about that, but there is always something. There's always something with this Memphis basketball Man. program. And by the, way, uh, by the way, shout out to uh, Mikey Williams. He uh, clearly didn't do his research when he committed to UCF. <laughs> Jeez, man. He can't that, even that enroll in too. school? He can't even enroll in school. He's enrolled at the University of Memphis. He's taking classes. It's mind-numbing. It's mind-numbing yeah. how how no, how botched this has been from his end. I and can't give him poor advice, man. I I, I kind of you almost feel for him, right? Like as much as you're like kind of face to palm, this dude's an idiot. Like you, you kind of feel for him because obviously somebody else was in his ears, even a, a bigger idiot. Quite frankly, than <laughs> right. I mean, the fact that you have an attorney putting out on his behalf saying, oh, well, the University of Memphis was uh, not going to allow him to play this year, and then they were debating next year. UCF isn't even going to let him go to school until he gets done with this whole felony, until he gets it down to a misdemeanor. It's like, come on, brother. Like, just... Yeah, no. There's some critical thinking and some research that needs to to get done in in this in this time that clearly was not done i don't expect mikey to get it done and i think you're more we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds what could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.